Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am Meg Walter, here with Eli McCann. Eli, how are you? Hello! How's it going? Just so fantastic. Happy uh, 4th of July weekend. Happy, as you hear this, Wednesday after the 4th of July. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Tell me what you've been watching. Uh, Okay, I, I know you have this on your list too, but I watched Eurovision. The Netflix film. I am so surprised you watched it because you were so anti-Will Ferrell. Yeah, I didn't do it on purpose. So (laughs) I had um, in-laws visiting and they turned it on. And um, so, yeah, we we watched it. I am anti-Will Ferrell. And normally this is not a movie that I think I would be interested in. But it was really kind of entertaining and I have, by the way, been to actual Eurovision before. You have? Mm-hmm. How was it? I depicted well at the film. Um, yeah. Eurovision, so for those who are not familiar, Eurovision is this big competition that takes place every year across Europe where like, more or less amateur, non-super famous people um, submit songs, one from each country, and then they compete in this big competition. And whoever wins... Uh, gets to host the Eurovision for the next year. And so yeah. it just kind of moves around Europe. And uh, the songs are hokey, and mm-hmm. the performances are, I mean, really something to behold. And so they had Eurovision in Ukraine in 2005, and I got to go to like some of it, and it was pretty wild. This movie is pretty funny. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think Will Ferrell is particularly funny in it. Rachel McAdams is in it, and she is a treasure. I was thinking about what I wanted to say on this podcast today about Eurovision. And Rachel McAdams is one of these people who has a face that can be mean or so charming. Right. Like she just has, she's very talented, first of all. But I think her face does so much work when she's Regina George. Right. It's one face. And when she's in this movie as like a sweet, naive Big-eyed... Icelandic woman. Icelandic woman. It's a completely different person. I think she's a bit underrated because... And I had literally the same thought as you while I was watching this. I kept thinking, I cannot believe this is the same person as Regina George from Mean Girls. Like, those, to me, if I didn't know that, and I I have facial blindness, so I wouldn't have recognized it anyway, but if I didn't know who that actress was, I would have never even, like, caught on that that's the same human being. Yeah. And she's so good in About Time. Yeah. She's just, she carries movies in a way I think people don't recognize. Like, she, I don't even think The Notebook is a good movie, but no. she's so great yeah. that I watched it for longer than I knew I should. Every movie she does, the moment she, she comes onto the screen, you are all in yeah. with Rachel McAdams. Yeah. And and that is true for Mean Girls. Like, the moment Regina George shows up, it's like, oh, this film's going to be amazing. And I want to be her friend. Like, I know that's a bad idea, but because I do want her villain. to like me. She's literally she's yeah. the villain of that movie, and it, she's, but she's so great. Do you, it, What is Mean Girls without her? I mean, it's still a good movie because— there is a lot there are a lot of good performances, a lot of good jokes. The story's fun. But you take Rachel McAdams out of that. Well, yeah, you don't have a movie without the mean girl in Mean Girls. She's well, the star of that movie. Like Lindsay Lohan replace her with anybody. Anybody. She, yeah. Anybody can she's do that. She's a blank part. she's a blank slate in yeah. that movie. But I don't think I don't think anybody could have done what Rachel McAdams did for that character. No. Uh, There's an interview. No, actually, I read it in Bossy Pants, Tina Fey's book. Mm. I heard Tina Fey was canceled. So I 
again? Maybe I shouldn't quote her. I know. I feel like we she's canceled like every few years. What did years. she get canceled for this time? I think Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. People are mad about Kimmy Schmidt, which, you know, whatever. Well, yeah. I, I gave up on Kimmy Schmidt. You yeah. know, so I don't yeah. know that much about what happens in the later seasons. Anyway, canceled or not, she talks about Rachel McAdams and how she watched Rachel McAdams on set of Mean Girls. And she said, like, this, she's not talking loud enough. We're not going to hear. Her. Like, what? Uh-huh. I, I'm really worried about this actor. And the director was like, no, this is good acting. What she's doing right here is how you perform on camera. Yeah. Everyone else needs to learn from Rachel McAdams. Uh. And she said that that was like a real kind of career turning moment for her, for Tina Fey. Yeah. Who's like double her age. Right. Oh, that is so interesting. Isn't it? I love that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, this is now a Rachel McAdams stan podcast. (laughs) Did you like it, though? Did you like your own? I thought it was fun. And uh, uh, what's her name? The singer who's who's in it um, is plays Demi Lovato. I thought that was really funny. I'm not a Demi Lovato fan, but her... So she plays a ghost, and it's a different take on a ghost I've ever seen. It's a super unhelpful ghost who always has outdated information. Yeah. And it is really funny. It's super funny. I I found this movie, I was expecting, like, straight Will Ferrell comedy, Mm -hmm. like, raucous. And it's not. Yeah. It's, like, barely a comedy, but it's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't mad at it. Right. Yeah. I, I think I'd recommend it to everybody. It's, you know, it's not going to win any awards, but like, just do yourself a favor. It's a great COVID movie. It's a great, it's a great plane movie, Mm -hmm. COVID movie, which we've discovered are the same thing. So um, speaking of canceled, um, we haven't really talked about J.K. Rowling. And I feel like maybe, maybe we could like spend 10 seconds on this. But how much are you following J.K. Rowling's cancellation? I don't, (laughs) barely. You know, it's so funny, and I I feel like I need to bring it up here because I think we have mentioned this previously on Hive Mind. I know she got canceled like last year a little bit because people were accusing her of being like transphobic and whatever Mm -hmm. else. And I had looked at it at that time, and I was like, I don't really think there's evidence that she's transphobic. I think people are like maybe being a little too sensitive or whatever else. And and so I was like a little bit defensive, but then like all of a sudden, I who knows why she's just like. I'm just going to start saying some really terrible things about the, trans okay. people. In the middle of a global pandemic and like race Ra- revolution Ra- across the world. Race revolution across the world. And then she's like, you know what the world needs? A very long blog post for me about how much I hate trans people. Yeah. <laughs> people aren't paying enough attention to me. So I'm going to speak out about this thing that like literally no one is talking about right now. It's so disappointing because like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've even said the sentence before J.K. Rowling can do whatever she wants for the rest of her life because she gave us, like, Harry Potter, the Harry Potter universe, which is, like, a really cool thing. And now I have found a limit to that. Like, she here's, here's the thing. In, I'm an English major, and in all our courses, we kind of talk about different book theory, right? And mm-hmm. you know, the different lenses through which you can read text. And I, it took me a long time to understand why the author's intent is irrelevant to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Like you should kind of ignore the author entirely. And I think JK Rowling is evidence that that really is how to read books. Like you need to disregard the author to engage with the text because any author interference ruins your experience with it. And the more she speaks out, the more I'm like, why? What? 
Mm-hmm. Go and spend your money. Yeah. You have so much money. If I had that much money, my Twitter account would be gone and I would be on a <laughs> yacht 24-7. I don't know. Maybe it just gets boring. Maybe the yacht gets boring and you're like, ah, I need people to hate me right now. Well, she's doing a good job. Yeah. All right. 10 seconds up. What else have okay. you been watching? I haven't been watching very much, but I just want to say one quick thing. While I had in-laws at my house this week, there was a three-year-old and children's YouTube is terrifying. Do your kids watch YouTube? Not really. Oh, good. So she has found this like series of videos that are like Russian. They're all in Russian. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, a, they're really, really weird. And it's this little girl dressing up as Disney princesses and her dad like chasing her around, yelling at her in I Russian. I like that. And there are many of these. Oh, no. And she is like obsessed with these videos. And so I speak a little bit of Russian. And so Skylar like, pulled it out the other day and was like will you watch this and tell me what they're saying and it's just like a lot of nonsense or whatever else but like i i have mentioned this to a couple of people over the course of this week and apparently like children's youtube like this is a thing like the kids have figured out like found tapped into like series of very weird videos from across the world that like for some reason they really like so i don't know what's going to happen to our children because when we were that age we watched mr rogers and sesame street like that was the only content available to us oh cartoon network Nickelodeon. I not when I was three. Yeah, it was just straight up Mr. Rogers. I, what I'm saying is, we're, our childhoods weren't devoid of garbage. Yeah, that's probably true. I think they'll be okay. All right. It's good to have global exposure when you're three. Yeah, maybe she's learning Russian. I don't know. Yeah, good for her. What have you been watching? Uh, Selling Sunset. What is it? It's on Netflix, and it's about a real estate firm in LA where all of the agents are beautiful women with boob jobs who sell $40 million homes and, shocker, get in fights with each other. Okay, good, yeah. Wear great clothes, wear great shoes, drive great cars. Caddy as hell. (laughs) I cannot get enough of this show. Our friend Lindsay, who writes for the Beehive occasionally, recommended this and pitched it as a good phone show. Okay. And it, I just had it on while I'm working, and now I find myself being like, can I carve out 30 minutes to go work? And it's really like, so I can watch Selling Sunset. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, it, I'm loving it so much. The Good Liar. Do you remember when this movie came out? Mm-hmm. Helen Mirren, Ian McKellen, two old people, and it's like, it's two older people who meet through online dating obviously they're both lying about something okay and i want to tell you what the lie is i will say that i was expecting it to be a more fun movie than it was i thought it was going to be more like entrapment and like mm-hmm. wires and fbi and stuff and it was just kind of a bummer mm-hmm. so okay. don't recommend do you remember that movie um that just kind of reminded me that old lucille ball movie where she has 10 kids and she meets a man who has eight kids and they're both widowed and they both like try to avoid telling one another that they have children because they think the other one's going to like, you know, run away. And then they like end up in this relationship and then they finally have to disclose that they both have like a million kids. And so they get married and they have 18 kids. I don't think that's a real movie. I it's think a real movie. Not- no, it is. It's a really good movie. I recommend, I highly recommend everyone go check out the movie that I cannot remember. You don't name. remember the name. I'm yeah. sure if you Google it, you'll find it. And then because I'm, I, Magnificent wife. For Father's Day, I gave Stephen an outdoor projector. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we have watched both Shrek 1 and Shrek 2 with our children in the backyard. I got to say, 
Shrek holds up. Does it? I've never seen it. I mean, the animation looks like trash. Like, it looks like a video game from 1994. But, like, the jokes are pretty funny. Is it from the 90s? Early 2000s. Early 2000s. Okay. I think. Or very late 90s. Okay. So, it's kind of like when you watch the first Toy Story, you're like, like, this is janky. Yeah. Yeah. But the jokes are funny. Or The Lamb Before Time, which I tried to watch last year. And have you seen it in recent years? I feel like it's been a long time. My memory was like, this is f- phenomenal animation. Groundbreaking. And Breaking. yeah, I turned it on for my niece and it looked like a flip book that I made in like third grade. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah. That doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Oh, but man, that movie. I love that movie yep. so much. Yep. Okay. And then in preparation for today's episode, we both watched... Miss Congeniality and Eli, what a treat. The the movie that asks the question, what if we made a film about sexual assault and how toxic pageants are and we solved a different problem? Guess what? What? I still loved watching it. It's a great watch. I forgot what a part of me Miss Congeniality is. Yeah. I was telling Steven as we were watching it, I there's those movies that you've seen so many times where it's not that you know exactly which line is coming next, but you know what feeling the movie is going to invoke in you. Right. And I like kept feeling these feelings prematurely through the whole movie because it's just like such a visceral part, (laughs) foundational part of who I am. We had this movie on DVD. I watched it all the time. Loved it. Haven't returned to it for a while. It's a bit problematic. It's It's very problematic, but it is like... A makeover movie is a fun journey. Oh, 100%. It's, it's similar. It's got a similar kind of happy rewatchability vibe as The Devil Wears Prada. Yes. Where you're just like, oh, I'm going to see this person who's like supposedly a mess become not a mess. And it that's like a fun thing to watch. The movie is very cheesy in a lot of ways. Yeah. It is extremely problematic, which yeah. we will get into all of that. Um, but like when it ended, I said to Skylar... I can't think of of a dumber movie that is more fun to watch than that. It's you just you called it cheesy, and I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. cheesy. However, Sandra Bullock has you Star. convinced that it's not. She is a, because she's she's a little sarcastic. Yeah, and she the like the moment you see her on the screen, you're like, oh, I want to hang out with her. Like she is just a fun character and her she's just good she's good like Mm -hmm. rachel mcadams she's good like put her in things because she elevates them right this could have been i don't know like heather graham or someone you know and i would have been like a c but like i could put some b yeah you know yeah maybe a b plus if i'm in a good mood so she she makes this movie and so does uh what's his name the um the british guy Oh, Michael Caine, obviously. Michael Caine. Like, legendary British actor. Is phenomenal in this. Like, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, they gave him so little to work with, and yet I still think this is, like, a really good performance. Yeah. Yeah. I also think William Shatner's great. Yeah. Candace Bergen's great. Great. (laughs) So great. So she is so over-the-top villainous that it's like, you can't take it very seriously, but it's still, like, But she looks like she's having a blast. Yeah. Like, you know Candace Bergen just loves showing up to set every day, and she's like, yes, I get to play a bad guy. Yeah. I've always wanted to play a bad guy. She's just relishing the role. Yeah. Um, should we kind of get into the plot? Yes. I mean, I doubt there's anyone who hasn't seen Miss Congeniality. But who, but like we said, this is a fun story to take a journey with. It so really let's is. do it. And it's not a complicated story. So it starts out with a very quote unquote schleppy Sandra Bullock, who mm-hmm. 
All they did was frizz her hair and give her some bad clothes and shoes. Right. Like, she still has the most beautiful face I've ever seen on a human. It's, I, I, I am so tired of this stupid trope where you take, Sandra Bullock is like one of the hottest human beings who has ever lived on planet Earth. If Sandra Bullock walked into this room right now, both you, who are a gay man, yeah. and me, a heterosexual woman, would like pass out from her beauty. <laughs> like, we would be like astounded. She is outrageously beautiful, and she's... Sandra Bullock, I can think of three movies off the top of my head that she is in where she's supposed to be ugly and then becomes hot. <sighs> Love Don't Potion number nine from the 80s was like the first one. And then I kind of feel like While You Were Sleeping was sort of that vibe. And then this, of course. But the thing is, like, I wish that in these movies and especially Miss Congeniality, they would just acknowledge that she's pretty, but that she's not trying. Sure. Like, it'd be OK if the FBI guys were like, yeah, she's, you know. She's really pretty, but, like, we're going to have to make her wear a dress and, like, actually act like the part. Yeah. But, like, the idea that they're all like, oh, she's ugly and gross, but then they, like, Photoshop a bathing suit on her and they're like, what? <laughs> like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> the men in this movie are, com- are like, so stupid that it's offensive as to watch as a viewer. Yeah. I- also... Pretty harassy. 100%. Sexual assault. Like, straight up. They're, like, slapping her butt. All the time. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, making all these degrading comments. And I was, like, counting the number of offenses. I'm like, girl, go to court. You're going to get millions of dollars. This is a workplace. (laughs) It's pretty bad. Like, the stuff Benjamin Bratt says to her is pretty rough. Come on. You're an important member of the undercover team. Yeah, right. In a thong. Hey. In a tasteful one piece. Come on, look, you do a few butt shaping exercises. You tighten this up, you can pull this off. You know what? Pull this off. His character does not get redemption, and it pisses me off. We're j- I'm jumping to the end, but it pisses me off that they end up together. I would say Benjamin Bratt is the weakest link in this movie, and I don't know that it's the fault of Benjamin Bratt so much as just, like, writing. bad writing. Yeah. Um, but it's not great. Anyway, so they're, they have an operation that she screws up where they're trying to catch, like, some ro- Russian mobster at the beginning of the movie, and they do, like, one of my favorite things is when you put people in a movie who clearly don't speak the language that they're supposed to speak, so they just say, like, the three words in that language mm-hmm. that they know. And so you're, like, watching it, and the whole time they're just like, Zdravstvite, Nazdrovye. And I was, like, translating this conversation. I'm like, there, this is literally just two men sitting at a table that are like, hello, hi, bless you, please, <laughs> Good hello, night. hi, goodbye, hi. And I'm like, they're not getting any business done. Like, maybe wait until they're actually committing crimes before you jump in and arrest them. But so she messes that up, and so now she's in trouble with the FBI, and um, Benjamin Bratt is, like, the new rising star, and so they decide to give him the new case, which is that there's some kind of crime, criming that's going to be happening at the Miss United States pageant. Right. And Sandra Bullock's in trouble because she messed up this operation, so she's kind of, like— Hanging on the outside. Yeah, but uh, they need someone to go undercover as a— beauty queen mm-hmm. i'm sure that's not what you call people who do pageants now and they're trying to rack their brains who can we find at the fbi they've got this computer program some guy's daughter has like a dress-up barbie program where you can put different dresses on photos of women which is like really Weird. complicated technology yeah. i think <laughs> and they make it look really easy in I'm 2000 like, that's not- oh okay yeah Anyway, they go through all these different women. The one woman they think will work is on maternity leave. Everyone else is ugly. And this is pretty bad. They're yeah. mocking all of these poor women yeah. who they put swimsuits on their without bodies. their knowledge. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you guys need to be shut down. Anyway, yeah. they finally get to Sandra Bullock. 
put it on her, and they're like, hey, 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 this isn't so bad. She's hot. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, come on, guys, no, you know, because she's a tomboy, and she, yeah. she's the job, and yeah. she wears ugly shoes. Yeah. And so they finally talk her into it. Uh, and it's such a funny plot point that they're like, oh, and this will work because Miss New Jersey yeah. um, was in a, f- a film a called Armageddon, oh, and yeah. so she can't be in the pageant anymore. But like, while I was watching this the other day, I was like, well, wait a minute. Don't the people in New Jersey, aren't they going to wonder like who this Sandra Bullock person is? Like, surely there was a runner up or the pageant world is like small and incestuous. Like this, this like 40 year old woman yeah. like shows up to this pageant and is like, I'm 18 yeah, uh-huh. and I miss New Jersey now. Uh-huh. That's the other thing. All of the actors in this movie, like I think feel like beauty queens are what, like 18 tops. Yeah. They're all like at least 30. Yeah. And Sandra Bullock is, I think she's 36 in this movie. Yeah. And she looks great. I mean, we we have covered her looks. That is <laughs> Just one not more up time. for debate, but she does not look like an 18-year-old. No, no. she does not. Uh, so they finally tuck her into it, but, you know, got a lot of work to do because she's this lady who loves to eat steak and she's got frizzy hair. Like, yeah. what do we even do with that? Yeah. So they find Michael Caine, who's like a disgraced pageant coach. Yeah. Michael Caine has a lot of disdain for Sandra Bullock and the way she chews with her mouth open, the way she walks. But, you know, also wants to make money. So he agrees sure. to do it. Sure. Philip, could I have another Cabernet Sauvignon, please? Another cake for you. I'm good, thanks. That's okay, Philip. So, now how long have you been doing this pageant training thing? I'm sorry? What, what was the question? I was distracted by the half-masticated cow rolling around in your wide-open trap. It takes her to this off-site where they've got manicurists, pedicurists, teeth whiteners, hair people airplane hangar for some reason they go to that and uh there's a line that has stuck with me since i've seen this movie where she says with all this foil in my hair i'm getting hbo 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 her her new york accents comes and goes a bit sure sometimes it's like really really like comically strong and then sometimes no one took this movie seriously including the people who made it uh but you know yeah now she's a hottie she is when she walks out of that airplane hangar I I challenge you to find a hotter woman in no, any movie no. than Sandra Bullock in that scene. She's got like this hair that's straightened and blowing. She's got like this fabulous body con dress on. What well, you know what that that dress is just like a rubber band. Yeah. That they wrapped around her. <laughs> yes, it is. literally is a rubber band. Like, really? They pulled it onto her. I it's mean, just it's a thick it's a it's a wide rubber band. So it's just spanked. It's yeah, basically. And she looks banging. She looks Hot. Like, no wonder all these people are sexually harassing her in the workplace. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We got to cut that out. Oh, boy. I, I did. That was a joke. Yeah. I did not condone sexual harassment. <laughs> to make it clear, I think that that is atrocious what in this saying movie. What is only ugly people. Never mind. All right. So no. now they're headed to the pageant. Okay. She's got to fit in with these pageant girls who this is their life, you know? Yeah. They... This is when the movie takes off, by the way. Oh, for sure. Because I think up to this point, it's here's the here's the problem. This movie is not interesting because of the mystery or the crime. No, no one cares about no. that. No one cares about that. And so the the only reason why this movie is fun is because Sandra Bullock is fun to watch. The pageant is like a fun plot device, and the women in the pageant are great to watch together. Yeah. 
And so as soon as she shows up and meets all these like big personalities that are the most ridiculous stereotypes of each of their state, they're like going around the table and like, I miss Texas. <laughs> and then the Hawaii is like, aloha. <laughs> and like every single one of them is just like, oh, OK, like yeah. we're going for a thing and yeah, we're just yeah, going to yeah, do yeah. it. But, and those are the only girls you meet, by the way. You meet like five of the contestants the it, whole time. It reminds me so much of like Saved by the Bell where it like – the the core cast were in every class together, and those are basically yeah. the only kids at school yeah. you ever or see. Or like Boy Meets World, yeah. or like any of those. They yeah. all have the same classes together all day. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Candace Bergen and her son are present. Yes. Candace Bergen runs the pageant. Her son is her assistant. But it's not called a pageant. It's a scholarship. A scholarship program. program. Mm-hmm. William Shatner is the pageant host and kind of a dum dum, but he's kind of the MC of all these different like breakfasts and. Mm-hmm. Pre leading up to the big ceremony thing. Yeah. So she's making fun of the contestants. She's learning the dances. Meanwhile, the FBI is searching the wherever they're doing the pageant, looking mm-hmm. for explosives, so on and so forth. She's meeting at night with Michael Caine to learn how to walk and how to do interviews. And she wants to eat donuts, but he's not letting her. She has to eat celery and she's getting pretty tired yeah. and pretty grouchy. And the whole the whole thing, they're never been kissing the whole thing because she's got like the camera on her and you know the person in her ear so the whole Mm -hmm. fbi is like sitting in the van during all this and like coaching slash harassing her through that medium as well and also getting an inside look at the dressing rooms where the miss america people are changing and they're making comments on their body again this movie has a lot of problems that don't look great in 2020 and maybe this is the right time for me to say this the the reason why the way the men in the FBI act is so annoying to me in this. Like, it's gross generally, but it's especially gross because it is the movie's position that that's fine. Like, it's not like these guys are all acting like trash and then they get called out or, you know, like they're... It is the movie's position that, like, isn't it funny that, like, all these guys get to see these women? And then in the end... Sandra Bullock's the one who has to change. Like, it's not those guys that have to change. She's the one who has to change. And it's so infuriating to watch it. Pretty gross. Anyway, she befriends some of these girls, most especially Rhode Island, Miss Rhode Island, who is also on You've Got Got Mail Mail. as the girl who works in the shop and is kind of a real Debbie Downer in this. And in this, she's just very naive. Um, She wants to use flaming batons, but she can't because her parents really don't like anything ostentatious and they really don't like fire. Iconic line. Right. Um, They have all of these pre-ceremony events, one of which is like a talent competition wherein Sandra Pollock plays water glasses and a German like Lederhosen for some reason. It's never explained. What is the song that she's playing? I don't remember. Like, Like, I don't think it's anything. I don't, I don't think, think so she's either. actually playing a song. <laughs> and then every once in a while there's a bell. But it sounds like, lovely. <laughs> but in the crowd, there's a guy with a gun. And mm-hmm. she's like, I'm FBI. I got to do something. Tackles the guy. Yeah. Right? This makes national news. Right. And so the head of the FBI in New Jersey has Not to come happy. down. Mm-hmm. He's pissed. Mm-hmm. You know, now Benjamin Bratt's got like this monkey on his back. Uh, they're really in a hurry to get all of this done. Uh, and the ceremony's coming up. So they got to hurry. They got to figure out what's going on here. Yeah. They think it might be Miss Rhode Island. Yeah, because she like marched. She went to with a demonstration. Or or, yeah, for yeah. animal rights, and it's like a violent group. So they're like, "We need you to take her out and get this out of her." So Sandra Bullock takes some of the girls for pizza and beer. 
right crazy. ahead of the ceremony. You can't eat pizza and beer if you're Miss America. No. Also, they go to the most stressful. Yeah, club. I want you. I saw on this list that you wrote oh stressful gosh. clubbing. I want you to expand on that. Look, I'm a clubber from way back. I will club <laughs> all day and all night long. I will club up in here and down in there and everywhere. But this club, they're like banging paint drums and getting paint all over everything and themselves. And yeah. the, I. That is where I draw the line on my clubbing. I don't want anybody to get dirty, and I don't want clothes to get ruined. Well, especially when, like, the Miss America pageant is the next day. What are they thinking? Yeah. Like, I do hope they, that's very washable paint. Do they know that it reminds me of my friend Erin many years ago who got her face painted at Lagoon, and she got um, cat whiskers drawn on her face, oh, no. and she couldn't get them off for, like, four or five days. Oh, no. And she had to give a class presentation on Enron, oh, no. the collapse of Enron and couldn't get the whiskers off. Anyway... I, this club, like, stressed me out to no end. But Sandra Bullock talks to them, and she, like, finds out that the women are all harmless. Rhode Island, she asked her, have you ever committed a crime? And she said, well, one time I stole some red underwear because my mother wouldn't let me buy them because they're Satan's panties. Really, yeah. Rhode Island is giving a great performance oh, in this movie. She's, she's also the one when asked what her perfect date is, says April 25th. Not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Describe your perfect date. It's a tough one. <laughs> um, I'd have to say April 25th, because it's not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. <laughs> that's a joke that's now been like overdone, and we, we've all heard it, but when this movie came out and nobody had heard that joke yet, that killed. 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 I remember being in the theater and people like screaming they were laughing so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good joke. So they end the clubbing. She goes back to the hotel. Uh, she gets a tip that Frank is actually Candace Bergen's son, which they hadn't known before then, and mm -hmm. that he has a violent past. And she's like, oh my gosh, it's Frank and Frank's mom, Candace Bergen. She goes to tell her partners, they're like, shut it down. We found the guy. Uh -huh. It was a guy in a shack. And, you know, she going on like essentially no evidence whatsoever is like, no. They're going to put a bomb at this thing. I feel like I, I need feel... to stay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she has this great moment where she stands up to her boss and she's like, no, I'm staying here. I'm going to do it by myself. Yep. And then Benjamin Bratt's like, all right, see you later. Because he's the worst and he doesn't stick up for her. Yeah. And then he, she goes he, to the pageant. She goes to the pageant. And we have that great scene where she runs into the place and she's obviously late and she doesn't know how to put her own makeup oh, on. Oh, and it's so sweet. And all, the, all of her competitors look at her and realize she doesn't know what she's doing. And they all run over and start doing her makeup and hair for her. It's and very it is sweet the best yeah. it's like my favorite part of the movie and then you know benjamin bratt receives some information i don't remember what it is but he's like oh she was right he decides to go back yeah. michael kane decides that he's going to stick around and help her as well she does pretty good in the pageant it, she takes second well i mean she makes it to the top 10 oh sorry i, I jumped ahead That's, yeah it's okay <laughs> and then she makes it to the top five which was not part of the plan and then it comes down to naming who the winners are yeah I usually get very bored in the actiony parts of movies. Yeah. I just like tune out because I just don't care. Yeah. This is so funny. It is. So they announce the, the runners up. Uh, New York is five. And she's like, if, I just want all the lesbians out there to know. Yeah. If I can do it, you can so do can it. You, yeah. And like in like 99 when this movie was made, it was like, oh, they said yeah. lesbian. Yeah. Uh, that was Iconic. Uh, Hawaii, I think, takes something. Yeah. Texas gets third, third and her happy. face sinks. Like, it's such a good performance. And she just drops her arms down. And she's like, well, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's 
that's really great. And then they announce Jersey, who is Sandra Bullock, as runner-up, which means Miss Rhode Island has Wins. won. Yeah. And so Sandra Bullock tries to warn which, her. Okay, hang on. How did Rhode Island win? I, I, she's, her talent was ridiculous. She, <laughs> she had the, the flaming baton. Baton twirling. And then she gave the, the April 25th answer. Like, there's no way the judges were like, great answer on that. Again, no one took this movie seriously, <laughs> including the people who wrote it. Oh, and by the way, we, we skipped the, the question when they like asked them all the questions. And Sandra Bullock's question is... What do you think about people who think pageants are outdated and sexist? Oh, and, and she's pro pageant now. And now she's pro pageant because that was the change this movie needed to make yeah. was like make Sandra Bullock pro pageant. Yeah, okay. sure. Anyway, um, and so Sandra Bullock knows it's the crown that has an explosive on it that yeah. Candace Bergen and her son have put an explosive on the crown. So she's trying to warn Rhode Island, don't put the crown. But on. But they can't hear because there's yeah. all this music and stuff. So she tries to rip the crown off Rhode Island's yeah. head, and everyone else thinks she's like this crazed runner-up trying to get the crown so off. They- the winner's head and the, the other women try and fight her because they're like no like <laughs> this is the process like she won back and so then there's a whole fight for the crown which by the way i'm 100 percent convinced that the writers had an idea they're like what if we made a movie where at the end all the women fight for the crown and then they just built the movie from that <laughs> like i'm 100 percent sure 100, and it's great it works yeah. <laughs> it was worth it that was a good idea yeah um, so there's this back and forth and back and forth, and Rhode Island starts crying. <laughs> like, they're beating each other with roses, yeah. and, like, the roses are bare stems now. Sandra Bullock finally gets the crown off, throws it onto the stage. The stage explodes. Mm-hmm. No one is hurt. She saves Rhode the day. Rhode Island passes out. Rhode Island passes out. Candace Bergen goes to prison. Yeah. Um, and it ends. And then there's a really sweet... Really, really sweet. See, I'm 100% skipping the love story because it is it's garbage. garbage. I hate and it. it doesn't I matter. hate it. She can do so much better than Benjamin Bratt. Ugh. So, um, but then, yeah, there's this really lovely scene where she gets surprised by the girls who want to give her the award of Miss Congeniality because yeah. they're so, the women are so happy that she, like, saved, their lives. saved them and, like, was so nice to them and, you know, did all that and whatever else. And then Sandra Bullock gets up and gives her a little speech about, like, this means a lot to me. This was a really great experience for me. And then she cries and says, and I really do want world peace, yeah. which I actually love. I think it's, it's a pretty great sweet. ending. It's pretty great. Yeah. It's a great problem aside, of which there are many. Yeah. It is such a delightful watch. Yeah. Have you seen the sequel? I, yeah. Regrettably. It is terrible. It's bad. So, you know, it made me think of uh, s- several weeks ago, you and I talked about Sister Act 2 and you had made the comment the incorrect comment that Sister Act 2 was not a good film. It is a perfect film. 10 out of 10 would definitely recommend. But you made the comment that they took Sister Act 1, which was a huge success, and they stripped it of everything that made it work and then made a sequel. And that's what Miss Congeniality 2 feels like. Miss Congeniality 1 like, was a big, big success because the women were like really fun to watch together. And then 2, it was just like, okay, let's have another crime action movie. And it's like, that's not why people liked yeah, the first no, one. No, absolutely not. But they did put Dolly Parton in the second one. so I had forgotten that. I think I intentionally blocked out the entire movie. Yeah. I mean, Miss Congeniality, it's just, it's a Sandra Bullock vehicle. Yeah. Uh, it really demonstrated her star power. It wasn't a, like rom-com. It was more, I would call it like straight comedy almost. Yeah. And she pulls it off. Yeah. I think people ate this movie up. It was a huge success. Yeah. It's fun to revisit. It is fun. And that you just reminded me, I just actually read this morning about the sequel. One one nice thing about it, Sandra Bullock wanted to make the sequel. And in the sequel, there is no love story. She's like broken up with the guy from yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one and he's not even in it. And um, 
a quote that I read from her was that she wanted to make the sequel largely because she wanted a co- a comedy film starring women that didn't that was not a rom com. Yeah, I love that. She's like, men get to make like comedy films where there's no romance in it, so we should be able to. Isn't it too. Regina King who stars yeah. with her? Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's great. She's good. Yeah, it's she is. It's just too bad it wasn't a good movie. And Sandra Bullock is good in it too. Like she's she is fun to watch in everything. Yeah, she is. It's just it's while terrible. you were sleeping is. Probably like top shelf for me. Yeah. You know, just because of her. Like, is it a good movie? I don't know. But it's Sandra Bullock. You know, you know where this is more true than anywhere else is The Blind Side is one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. It is so cringy. It's bad. It is so bad. And her character is really problematic. And I don't think I would like that person in real life. But she is fun to watch in she it. She is fun to watch. It's a it's a very problematic movie. Extremely. Uh, but her it's like if Green, performance. It's like if Green Book wanted to be more offensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Miss Congeniality, if you haven't rewatched it in a while, it's time. Yeah. Pull it off your DVD shelf. I think we watched it on Prime. It was like two ninety nine. Brace yourself for some bad behaviors. I mean, there's some light sexual harassment. Be warned. But it's um, you're in for a good ride. Yeah. Eli, it's been a pleasure. As always. We'll be back soon. Okay.